Amen. It's good to see us all out in God's house this evening. I thought as you were singing, I must tell Jesus. But do I? But do I? Do I tell the Lord what's on and in my heart tonight? And just let God work for me and do for me what our Lord wants to do. I've been reminded, I'd like to take a few moments before I get started, if I may, preacher. I've been reminded lately how many people are walk, have walked away from God. Now, that's going to be the general thought of my message tonight. But how many, thought, how many people have walked away from God? I thought about in the other day when the preacher said we're going to have a traction challenge and going to go duck hunting. Right? Now, we're all hunting ducks, right? If you signed up on the list, you're hunting a duck. If you didn't sign up on the list, ask for forgiveness, then sign up on the list, and then go duck hunting. But uh, I used to work with some guys that were duck hunters. I'm not a hunter. Well, I have been a hunter, I guess, all my life. A bring something home, that's another story. But I've been out there hunting all kinds of stuff in my life. I don't want to get sidetracked too far, but snipe hunting? I remember my first time snipe hunting. <laughs> the thing about it was, I did, they left me and I followed them back. <laughs> and when we got about halfway back and I finally figured out what's going on, I went to the house. They spent most of the rest of the night out there trying to find me. <laughs> but duck hunting. I'm reminded, again, some of the guys I used to work with used to go duck hunting on time, regular basis. Now, they were, we're talking about they getting out of bed at 1.30 in the morning. Getting in their vehicle and pulling their boat. Now, these boys hunted on the um, coast, and they'd be 25, 30 degrees out there sometimes, and they'd get in a boat and go out there and sit down and wait for a duck. I've never duck hunted a day in my life. I have done that deer, deer, not in the ocean, deer hunting, but I've hunted for deer like that. But I thought the crease crossed my mind is this. If them boys is willing to get out of bed at 1.30 in the morning, crawl in a boat, go out there and sit in the freezing water. Now, once you, one year, I don't remember exactly what happened, but uh, they lost their boat. It sank, and they never did get it back. But if they're willing to go do something like that, how willing am, how willing am I this afternoon to uh, try to go duck hunting right around here? No, I don't have my gun, and I'm not sneaking up on Donald, And but we're trying to find somebody. Now, this is not necessarily about, it is in a way, but it's not necessarily about who wins. Time out again if I can. Um, I've heard an awful lot of men say we're already defeated. We're not defeated. We're just getting started. <laughs> right? Amen. John, John Paul Jones was fighting during the Revolutionary War and the British attacked him and his boat was full of holes and it was going under and he, they said surrender. He said surrender. We've not yet begun to fight. Why should I give up now? And who won? 
John Paul Jones. And who won? Ultimately, who won? I did. You did. Here we sat tonight. Because somebody didn't give up. Somebody didn't quit. Somebody just pressed on and went on. And tonight, I just encourage you to do that. Say one other thing. I'm going to go to Acts chapter number one. For me. I enjoy listening to hunting dogs run. For me, there's something about a hunting dog running. It's just got that. I can't explain it. But if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Now, my neighbor's got some dogs. All they ever do is bark. There's a difference. But a hunting dog, whether it's a hound out there hunting or whether it's a, 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 a beagle or whatever it is chasing rabbits, I enjoy hearing them run. That being said, a hunter, hunter, a hunter, I'm not a hunter, I'm a hunter. If he's got his dogs out there and his dogs are running, what's he going to do? First off, he's going to be looking for whatever they're chasing, but he's going to encourage his dog. You'll hear him out there hollering at his dog, so to speak, encouraging his dogs. Because sometimes that dog thinks he's out there all by himself and doesn't know really that he's got anybody that has his back. But that man, lets her, that man lets him know that he's not alone, and man, you're doing a great job. That being said, don't misunderstand what I'm fixing to say. That's our hound right there. That's the man of God. I can tell you from experience, when you stand here, service after service after service, Sometimes in the service while he's... Now, he would never say this. And I didn't ask him for permission. But sometimes he'd like to, ha- to hear somebody say, Amen. Not a shouting contest. But somebody that says, Amen, or that's good, to encourage him to keep up the fight. To stay in the race. To go on. Well, I, I could never do that. I, I, I don't keep up with them. But I know there was folk today, they were sitting in their living room, they were screaming and hollering at the TV because whoever it was that's watching on the, on, on the football game or whatever's being played this time of year, man, they was all up in the air and screaming and hollering and carrying on because that's my team. Can I say this evening? This is my team. This is our team. Encourage the man of God. Strengthen him. Hey, now, well, I preach, I'm, I'm just not like that. Me either. I'm not like that. I fail sophomore English because I refuse to give an oral report. So next year I had two English classes. Now, I know that if you're around me much at all, you'll think you never had English in your life, man. I told folks some years ago, I'm going to take a second language. I'm going to take English. I'm going to learn to speak real English this time. But it's evening. Let's let God use us, encourage us to make a difference. If you have an exciting time anywhere in your life, it ought to be right here in the house of God. 
We ought to be able to come in here and we ought to be able to praise God. We ought to be able to rejoice and we ought to see God make a difference in here. We drag in the house of God sometimes. This is, I'm sorry about this. But we, we drag in the house of God sometimes. And man, we're so discouraged and whatnot. And you know what discouragement does? It breeds discouragement. Man, we come in here. Am I supposed to come in and lie about it? Do what you got to do. We come in here, we, man, we're so discouraged. And, man, we sang the songs that we sang tonight, and we sang the songs we sang all the time. We ought to be able to get excited about what God's done. Hey, I'm on my way to heaven. I don't care what happens in this old world. I, I talk to people all the time that we already doing this, chewing our fingernails and carrying on, but we got a presidential election coming. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I ain't doing nothing. Now, when the time comes, I'm going to ask God who to go vote for, and I'm going to go vote. And then it's in God's hands. And let God take care of it. So I need, if he's the one that's going to be taking care of things and going to be doing the work, hey, then I need to glorify him. Can I say this afternoon? I'm trying to get to Acts chapter 1. I really I am. Can I say this afternoon? If you don't glorify God in here, you probably won't glorify him anywhere else. Because we just home chickens in here. We all on the same page in here. And you leave here and you go to the job or you go to wherever and out there they they, they rough and they cussing and carrying on and acting a fool. Hey, it's hard to stand up for Jesus in them places. So I learned to do that in here and see God make a difference. Encourage one another. And once in a while, when God puts somebody on your heart, pick up your phone, type that word that says praying, and hit send. Now, don't lie to them. Pray for them before you hit send. But pray for somebody. Let God make a difference in us in a great way. I want to tell you, I'm trying to get away from all this. Let's go to Acts chapter number 1. I'm going to go to verse number 8. For time's sake, since I've done wasted 45 minutes... I didn't waste. I used 45 minutes. Now, I told my my wife, my dear, loving, lovely wife, said a while ago, as she says on a regular basis, I sure hope the preacher's short tonight. <laughs> my response was simply, you might ought to take a snack. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. I'm going to ask if you can, you would, if you'd stand out of honor and reverence tonight, the Lord would be to read his word. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. You say, well, I already know what this message is. I've heard this a million times. Let's see. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8 says, But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Now, Lord, you know how much we need you tonight. I need you tonight. Lord, you know how, how the battle has been the last little bit. But, dear Lord, I know tonight that you're the great God in glory. I know tonight, dear Lord, that you got this all under control. And, dear Lord, most of all tonight, dear Lord, I beg of you, give me words, give me wisdom tonight, dear Lord. Help me, dear Lord, to stand here and to bring honor and glory and praise unto you. Guide us and strengthen us tonight, dear Lord, as only you can. Lord, just, just help us this evening as only you can. Dear Lord, as you're helping me this evening, I beg tonight, dear Lord, please help every person in here this evening. 
Dear Lord, I pray you'll touch their heart and their life, dear Lord. I pray you'll guide us and you'll direct us, you'll strengthen us now as only you can. Lord, make a difference here, and we'll praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated this evening. For just a few moments tonight, what time am I going to get it? What time we got? I had 18 pages of notes and I was getting ready to leave the house. I left most of them at home, though. That's because I don't use notes. <laughs> Acts chapter 1, though, verse number 8, the, the word of God, Jesus said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And I began to, and when I asked God the other day about this service, and I asked him, what do you want me to preach, Lord? What do you want me to say? And he drew my attention instantly to this verse. And I said, okay, what do you want me to say about this verse? And he gave me a word that, be honest with you, I don't know a whole lot about the word. I, I know, I'm going to give you some principles of it because what little bit I do know about it and what little bit of studying I've done on it. But the word power this afternoon, I want to kind of think, I want us to think about it. But as we think about the word power this afternoon, the word that God gave me was electricity. Now we commonly call electricity power. Power's on. Power's off. Power's on. Power's off. In this area, up where I live, used to be, wow, the power finally came on. It was off more than it's on. But power, electricity. Now, you know, we can have, have great fixtures, have switches and outlets and wiring, and we can have everything under the sun that we need. And I'm not an electrician. But we can have everything that we need, electrical speaking, except the electricity itself. And tonight we're still sitting in the dark. This is the thought that kind of God gave me. For just illustration's sake purposes tonight, this is God. Tonight, this is me and you. When you when I got saved on April 3rd, 1973, God allowed me to connect myself to Him. And I got power. Not my power, not my strength, not my ability, but I drew power tonight from an all-powerful holy God. I was able to connect to him, and by that, I have the power and the strength and the ability. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. There's nothing in this world that I cannot accomplish in the will of God that he would have me to do. I can accomplish anything. Are you crazy? No. Well, they might vote on that and I'd lose, but no, I'm not crazy. But we're connected to God. The thing about it, though, in our life, in our lives, is when we serve God for a little while, after a while, you and I, we begin kind of do something like this. And we begin to separate ourselves from God. Now, that separation from God is not my relationship. It's not my salvation. I'm saved once. I'm saved eternally. I'm saved forever. But I lose my fellowship with God. I tend to drift away from God. And when I drift away from God, I lose my power. 
lose my power. Now, truth of the matter is, I can lose my power, you can lose your power this afternoon, and the preacher may not know it. He will, but he may not know it. Because I come to church, I comb my hair, I get dressed, I look good, I polish my shoes, everything's just right, I get ready to come, I I pick up my Bible, I talk my Bible in the house of God, and everything looks normal on the outside. But what about on the inside? What's it like on the inside? My outside, truth of the matter is, my outside doesn't get saved, but my inside does. But what am I like on the inside? Now, you know how we, you know how people are. We can cover up a lot of stuff, can't we? The Bible still says, he that covers his sin shall not prosper. But we can cover up a lot of things in our life. And we think we're getting a buy on everybody. Now, I know especially a lot of young people, they try that. But somebody's walking with God knows right off. Knows right off. But here we are, serving God. And then in a building, and I don't know, I know there's one right there because I see it, and there's an outlet right there, a switch right there, and an outlet right there, a couple switches there, and I'm sure they're all over the place. A switch is to turn the lights off and on. Now, the switch will not change itself. It has to have a person, and I know they got the technical stuff today, but somebody has to turn that switch off. In my spiritual life today, when God got saved and God put me, allowed me to be connected to him, somebody has to turn that switch off for me to lose fellowship. It's not God that turns it off. It's me that turns it off. It's you tonight that turns it off. And we um, separate ourselves, so to speak, from God. We can have all the outside. Man, we we could have this building, we'll say. Got everything in here. Got everything. But if if we don't have any power coming into the building, what are we doing here tonight? Sitting in the dark. Why? Because we have no power. I believe tonight most churches are probably just sitting in the dark because they don't have the power of God. They don't have the the witness of God. They don't have God working in their heart and in their life. Boy, we can blame, well, you know, them down there and them over there and them up the road. No, but I'm talking about this one. Me. Am I still connected to God? Now, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about relationship. Am I still where God wants me to be? I thought about this afternoon, so I looked it up. I'm going to talk to preacher into buying me one. I looked up a crystal chandelier. Man, it's impressive. For a hillbilly, that's impressive. This one is 55 inches wide. Has 35 light bulbs in it. It's only $50,245 online. <laughs> but it did say free shipping. <laughs> but I thought about it. We could struggle and strive, but we, if we had us one of them chandeliers and we could hang it right there, 
and we can get that thing hanging up there where it's nice and solid, where it ain't going to fall, but it isn't going to benefit anybody, any, any, really any, any at all, unless we put some power to it. Is my life benefiting anybody at all? Am I allowing God to light me up that a lost and dying world can see me? Am I allowing God to work in me? Am I allowing God to work through me that the lost people can see me? Again, a switch. God desires this morning, this afternoon that you and I, we stay connected with him Salvation, that's not on us. Salvation, that's on him. But fellowship, that's on me. It's on me. Am I staying con- in contact with God? Am I reading my Bible? Am I spend- am spending time in prayer? Am I just simply spending time in the presence of God and letting God work in my heart? I see so many people. I know what God wants me to do, but God said to me, he wanted me to do this, but what am I doing? Click. Click. The very best way to stay in the presence of God is to be obedient to him and let God do the work in us. I can't do that. It's him doing the work. Let God do what needs to be done. Let God work through. I I, I just, I ain't never done that. I've never handed out a gospel track. I've never talked to somebody. I've never this or I've never that. Well, trust God and do what God wants. Can I say by hand out gospel tracks? Now, I know a lot of people don't do this anymore. But I know, they, I know we all get bills in. Shoot. I'd like to give all my bills to somebody else. Now, our power company happens to be Duke Power. And everybody knows they need to get saved. <laughs> if you happen to mail your, your payment back in, stick your gospel track in it. Anytime you mail out a bill, send the gospel to them. Because you don't ever know who's going to open that envelope. You don't know what the kind of situation is going to be going on in their heart or in their life at the time. You don't know what they may need. Years ago, it was in Oklahoma City. Young man showed up at church. At that time, Oklahoma City had about a million piece, people in it. That was before the, that was the early 80s. Young man showed up at church and said he got saved. They got talking to him about it. He worked in a department store in Quail Hollow, I think it was called Mall, up north Oklahoma City. And they began to talk about to him and began to, how'd you get saved? What brought you here? He said, well, I, I got off of work one night. It's about 11 o'clock. I walked out to my car. When I started getting, I unlocked the door of my Camaro, started getting into this piece of paper on my windshield. He said, I thought, really? On my car? You put that piece of paper? Seriously? He gets back out, grabs it. Throws it in the seat, goes home, stops, picks up his mail when he went in the house. He, he, he picked that up, cleaned out his seat, and he went on in and laid it on the counter. 
as he was going through his stuff, he, he picked it up and looked at it. And it was Dr. Ford Porter's track on God's simple plan of salvation. That young man sat down and read that track and asked Jesus to save him. Because <clears throat> somebody left it on his windshield. And he thought, I probably ought to go to church if I'm saved. Boy, cut out a lot of people. I just, I know right then, because they told oh, you yeah, I'm saved, never attend the house of God. I believe you're saved. I believe you don't want to be in the house of God. Right. <clears throat> well, I don't even know where to go to church at. Address was printed on that gospel track. He showed up at church. <coughs> Found out that uh, it's our kind of people. As he was, went in there, got involved in church, started growing in church, he, we had a Bible, they had a Bible college there at that time, and he thought, man, I ought to go to Bible college and learn something. I'm a young man, single. I need to learn something. <clears throat> started going to Bible college. God started dealing with him. Surrendered to preach. A couple years after that, he surrendered to be a missionary. And the last thing I heard from him, which had been several years ago, He's in Brazil as a missionary because somebody left a gospel track. <clears throat> somebody got a duck. But oh my, so much more. And that's what the, 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 the cross duck, that's what that promotion, this promotion's about. It's not about duck hunting necessarily. But it's about winning somebody to the Lord that God gets the glory from it. Here's a young man that got, that, that got saved, got in church, went to Bible college, went to preach. And now he, I'm assuming he's still on the mission field, doing something for God. Why? Because somebody was connected with God and somebody did what God said do. Now, most time, most folk will say, well, you know, nobody cares anyhow. If I, if I mail that to Duke Power, they probably ain't going to read it. They probably ain't going to do it. If I mail it to who, whichever, whoever my bills go to, they probably ain't going to have anything to do about it. But all my this afternoon, am I going to break my relationship with God? Am I going to break my relationship? I'll never lose my salvation, but I can lose the joy. Of my salvation. Have you noticed. If you haven't. Next time you go downtown. Watch people. How you doing? Are you asking somebody. How you doing today? None of your business. Hey. Good to see you today. Why? Just. Bitter, hateful people. You know why they're that way? Because they don't know our Lord. Now, and honestly, I can say that I believe tonight some of them could really be saved, but they're out of fellowship with God and they're miserable. And what they need to do is they need to see somebody like you walk in with the joy of the Lord in your heart and the joy of the Lord in your life and tell them how much Jesus loves them, what he did for them. Because I know tonight, I know. Man, when you're having a bad day, 
Isn't it great when somebody walks up and starts talking about the Lord? Hey, can I share a blessing with you? Can I this? Can I? And man. Or if you're walking through some place, you hear somebody humming. Now, as you know, I don't sing. Brother Sharp encouraged me yesterday about my singing. Because I know I can't sing. I know that. I used to say all the time, let's sing good and loud. You sing good, I'll sing loud. <laughs> I can be loud. Brother Sharp encouraged me. He said, well, you know, brother, after the prayer meeting yesterday, he said, sometimes when we get ready to pray, we don't know how to pray. We can't have words. And the Holy Spirit of God takes that and, and transforms that into a language that God understands. He said the Holy Spirit might just be taking your singing and transferring it into a language that glorifies God. I thought, well, is somebody else going to have to? Well, I thought, well, shoot, well, maybe I'm better off than I thought I was when it comes to singing. But all my seeing, I'm trying to get somewhere. Break my contact. Break my contact. When my contacts close, Power flows to us. The lights are on. Sylvania, the light bulb company, used to have an ad on the sides of the truck that said, uh, light brings vision. Light brings vision. If you don't, if you live in a, a situation that has no light in it, you'll actually go blind. Physically go blind if you're in a place that has no light. I'm going to get back to this thought in just a little bit. But you'll go blind. Now, I, for one, I enjoy lights. I don't like sitting in the dark. I don't like sitting in the dark. I don't like living in the dark. I like for the lights to be bright. I like to be able to know what's going on around me. But tonight, what's my vision for myself. What's my vision for my family? What's my vision tonight for our church? What's our vision? I don't need a vision for church. That's the preacher. That's Brother Max. That's Brother Terry. They got to have one. No. What's my vision? What do I want to see happen? Well, I don't care what happens. You know what happened? Nothing. At least nothing positive. All but tonight, just to be able to let God work in our heart and life, let God make a difference for us. Sin is kind of like a switch. If I have sin in my heart, separates between me and my God. But sin is like the other day I was gonna go, I was gonna do some stuff the other day, went out to start my tractor. Got everything ready to go. I hit the button and it said, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought, really? This battery's only eight years old. <laughs> and I haven't, I, I, I used my tractor two, three months ago. And it wants to go, mm-hmm. So I opened it up so I could see the battery and the battery was corroded. That's a natural thing for a battery to do is to corrode. 
but it's a natural thing in my life for me to walk away from God. It's a natural thing for the flesh not to let God have rule and reign in her heart and in her life. It's a natural thing. So tonight, just like this week, I got to go clean up my battery, post my stuff on that tractor. May have to buy a battery. May have to get it recharged. But I got to keep my heart. I got to keep my life changed, changed, cleaned. God will work in my heart and God will work in my life. Well, I'm not that bad. I'm not nearly... Is anybody, for a serious question, anybody here named Billy? Okay, good. Because Billy Bob was always my guy that was, he didn't hit on much at church. But if, if we don't take care of things, we, we just kind of sit down there, well, I don't need this, I don't need that, everything's going to be fine, everything's going to be okay. Man, I'm going to corrode. Now, humanly speaking, we're going to decompose. That's that big word that means you're just dead. And I don't want my life to be dead for the cause of Christ. I want want to be alive and I want to be able to do something for God. And I want to see God make a difference in us as only he can there. In in me, through us, in a great way. I've been so scattered this evening. Let me give you a few more points. I'm not hungry yet. I, I was reading on some of that stuff and... If you have an older house that has old wire in it, because of the old, your, your electrical wire, they say, will deteriorate over time. I don't know. But if your lights, if your wiring begins to deteriorate, your lights will start burning dim. And I thought, you know, We've all seen God do great things, haven't we? In our lives, in the lives of others. But you know what God did 20 years ago don't count for today. We need a fresh anointing from God this evening. We need the Holy Spirit of God to move in and to, to clean us up, to get the corrosion off of us, to give us new wire, to give us a fresh breath of heaven, to see God work in our heart and in our life in a great way. Sometimes... I've walked into buildings before and the lights flicker. They tell me one of the primary causes of that is it's not grounded properly. And I thought, how many people do I know around the house of God that just kind of flicker? They're in or out, 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 they're in or out. What's wrong? They're not grounded properly. They need to get back in the thing, to get back, number one, in the house of God, get to Sunday school on time. Got to have a duck. Got to get to Sunday school on time. Be in Sunday school, be in preaching, be in Sunday night, be in Wednesday night. And if that's all I'm doing, I believe you're not getting anything from God if all you're doing is attending church. That's not a reflection on the pastor, not at all. You've got to have time when you get in the word of God by yourself. You gotta have that time when you get alone and you get the word of God and you, you, you get you a, a, a writing utensil and you begin to mark things when God speaks to your heart, you make that note in there. And let God work in our heart and let God work in our life for something. We gotta have the time that we study 
ourselves. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And we need to get in the word of God ourselves. Well, preacher, that's what he's supposed to do for us. He's supposed to tell me everything I need to know. He can't. He can't. He can't. Mr. Wesley, John Wesley, the great preacher, great, great man of God. When God began to work and to stir into his heart and his life, John Wesley became hated in the churches because he wasn't following protocol. Because he was preaching, thus saith the Lord God. He didn't go along with what everybody else was saying and everybody else was teaching. He got a hold of him a copy of the Word of God. And began to read the Word of God and let God get a hold of his heart and let God make a difference. I'm going to come back to Mr. Wesley in just a minute. i got a friend. He's raised Amish. He told me one day, he said, I, I, I was sitting there in the Amish church listening to them preach and listening to them teach. And he said, I'd go home, I'd pick up my Bible, and I'd find out my Bible don't say that. I'd go back to the Amish church and I'd listen to them and go back and say, well, now, that ain't what my Bible says. He said he did that for a few months. And what they was teaching at church and what the Bible said was different. He said, so I chose to go with the Bible. I asked Jesus to save me and I walked away. And I walked toward God and let God work in our heart and my life. I'm going to say this afternoon, he's not. Can I say that? He's not. But do you know if the preacher's lying to you or not? I'm going to tell you, he's not. But do you know that? Well, I, I hope he's not. I'm telling you, he's not. But if I'm not in the Word of God and I'm not reading and I'm not studying the Word of God, then I don't know if he's telling me the truth or not. I, I know people that sat in churches for years listening to a lie. What happened? They got caught up in the uh, what's going on and they, they got disconnected with God and then they didn't know what the truth was. And so whatever you say, I'll believe it. Oh, no. Get in the word of God. I said earlier, get to have a prayer time. Get a hold of God. Pray and let God make a difference in our heart and our life. Let God guide us and direct us. Have a time of meditation. You know, we don't meditate no more. You notice my proper English there? We don't meditate no more. We don't meditate. We don't take time. May I move this chair, preacher? When's the last time we just sit, got a Bible out, we read something about the Bible, we just sat there and just thought. About what God's saying in His Word. Are you kidding? I gotta go. I ain't got time for that. We miss so much because we don't meditate on the Word of God. We're saying, click. I'll click it. I'll get in contact with God for about 32 seconds while I'm reading it and then click. I'm done. Wait till tomorrow. If you don't speak to me tomorrow, Lord, you got 32 seconds, do it in. But meditate on the things of God. I was talking about Mr. Wesley. Mr. Wesley, he believed the word of God. He consumed the word of God.
Miss Wesley got to the point that they would not allow him to preach inside a church building. Because he did not agree with what the church agreed with. Because he had the truth. Mr. Wesley would, call, would have meetings while the church was meeting inside the building. He'd be out in the cemetery preaching. From some of the reading I've done before, it said that he, he would be outside and there'd be nobody in the building. Everybody would be out there in the cemetery listening to the man of God preach. Because when God starts stirring in your heart and God starts stirring in your life, hey, this afternoon it's going to make a difference. Somebody went up to Mr. Wesley one day and said, Mr. Wesley, can you explain to me why is it that people would not go inside the building, but they'll come out here and, and, and they'll hang out around tombstones and listen to you preach? Can you explain that to me? Mr. Wesley said, well, the only thing I can tell you is for six days a week I walk with God. He sets my, my heart on fire. On the seventh day, they just come to watch me burn. And I think, what a testimony. They just come to watch me burn. Come to watch me glorify God. Come to uh, uh, see what God is doing. What's God doing for us? In our own lives, what's God doing for us? What's God doing? How's God working in our lives? What's he doing? Well, preacher, I made it back tonight. What else you want? It's not what I would want anyhow. It's what's our God want? What's God want from us tonight? How, does, how do we want God to work in our heart and in our life? You're going to see people tomorrow. The folk we hang around, or that we're around, do they know we're saved? Well, they're a good old boy. She's a good lady. But do they know I'm saved? When's the last time I told them I'm saved? They need to get saved. When's the last time? Because I don't want them to die and go to hell. Well, somebody else will probably reach them. Probably not. Because everybody says somebody else is going to, you know what? Nobody does. So we're, are we connected to God or are we disconnected? I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about fellowship. Are we connected to God or are we disconnected? Sin will corrode this. And I'm not, I don't get the power supply that I need. And pretty soon I'll just drift away like my old tractor did. Or am I not connected securely tonight and I'm flickering? Now, a wire that flickers, that, that will move like that and flicker from what a little bit I know is, it won't take long. It's going to burn out. You ain't careful burn the whole house down. Or the whole car down or whatever it is. It'll burn it all down. Why? Because it's not secured in the things of God. Been on my heart now for several years. I want to see revival in Iredell County. 
Really? Yeah. I want to see revival happen in this county. Now, for revival to, start, to happen in this county, it's got to start with each and every one of us as an individual. Each and every one of us have got to get a hold of God, get right with God, and be what God would have us to be. Am I what God wants me to be today? Am I doing what God wants done? Am I doing what God wants done? Let me tell you a story. Have I got time for a long story? I mean, I, I, I want to be... July the 26th. Excuse me, let me back it up a little bit. July the 16th, 1945. A ship called the USS Indianapolis. Many of you may be familiar with this story. Left San Diego under secrecy. The crew didn't know where they were going. They didn't know what was on the ship. And nobody else even knew they was leaving except for just a couple people. They loaded everything on the ship and they headed out. Because of the USS Indianapolis and the speed and the stuff it had, it, in, in 10 days, it made it from San Diego around the world to Tinium, to the island of Tinium, which is 100 miles north of Guam. They unloaded their, their payload on July the 26th that year. The 1,200 men on board... Didn't have any idea what's going on. They just know we got a job to do and let's just do it. They unloaded the stuff there and, and shortly thereafter, uh, they said, hit, push back out the sea and go on. You need to go to Guam, then you need to go to, I forget the other place, Leyte maybe. They left Tinium and was, he- was headed on out. What they did not know was there was Japanese submarines in the area. Somewhere out out there a little ways that submarine spotted them. Submarine lined him up, shot a torpedo, hit the front of the ship, and the bow broke off. Hit it to shot a second torpedo and it hit it in the center where the uh, ammunition magazines were and the explosions began to happen. From time that they, they, the Japanese commander of the submarine said from the time that he released the first torpedo to the time that the boat sank was 12 minutes. There's 1,200 people on that boat. They estimate... 900 survivors got off of the boat and are floating in the South Pacific. I guess that's the South Pacific over there. Floating in the ocean in shark-infested waters. Some of them are burned, it said, beyond recognition. Some of them are all busted up. Just awful situation. Men begin to cry and begin to cry out for God to do something. It's the middle of the night, if I remember right, when I got hit. Sun comes up. Man bakes you out there on that ocean. 
no help, no water, no food, no nothing. Finally, the sun went down. And they would pray and they would beg and they couldn't go to sleep because the sharks was eating them. They were out there on the ocean begging and praying and asking God, please do something, please do something, please do something. It seemed like nothing happened. Nothing's going on. Nobody cares. But then they realized that nobody knew this out there. And the only people who did know this out there didn't know where this at. And probably didn't care. Edgar Harrell wrote the book, Out of the Depths. That's where I get my information from. Edgar Harrell said, day four of floating in the water, your skin begins to deteriorate. He said... I gave up. He said, I told the Lord, I can't handle this no more. I can't do this anymore. He said, I decided to wait tonight and slip my waterlogged life vest off and go to the bottom. He said, I was done. I couldn't handle it no more. He said, I asked God one more time. Lord, is there anything that you could do to help us because we can't help ourselves? And just sat, just laid there, baking in the sun. And it wasn't long after that that there was some movement around him. He tries to focus his eyes on the stuff, and there's a whole bunch of little old fish, about 12 inches long. Hundreds, thousands Hundreds of thousands of these fish. And they come up and nibble on you stuff. Mr. Harrell said, do my gifts to get rid of them things. And when you would, they'd all flip back and forth and take off. Just meant to be right back. But every time they flipped, their sides were silver. Didn't think a whole lot about all that. He just get these things out of here. Lord, I ask for help. Lord, this ain't no help. Man, these things eat me alive. Come on. At least send a piranha that'll make it quick. <laughs> what he didn't know, I think it's at three thousand, maybe a little higher, was an aircraft, American aircraft flying over. And they were having some problems with their aircraft and they were looking down through the bottom of the aircraft trying to fix some stuff. And all of a sudden, they saw a light flash in the ocean. What was that? Got to notice it just kept flashing. Every little bit, it'd flash. It'd flash. Hey, that don't make any sense. What is that? The pilot told the man, we need to go down and look at that. And he dropped down. When he got down low enough, he could see men in the water. Nobody knew they was out there until that instant. Except God. And they were out there. And he dipped his wings at them and to let them know that they had been seen. Of course, uh, Edgar Harrell 
and, and I think two other guys is the only two that he knew of out there because 10, 12 foot swells, he didn't know what's going on. The pilot of that aircraft went against orders as he circled around and went up and sent out a radio call and he was forbidden to use the radio. We have men in the water. We need help. There's another pilot, a Lieutenant Marks, who had an amphibious aircraft that was not real far off. Give me a coordinates. We'll be there in a few minutes. And he showed up, and man, there's people everywhere. He knew that if he landed his aircraft, that he couldn't take off again. I can't get it back up. out this, this water being this rough, I can't get back up. He talked to his crew members and said, we've got a choice to make. What are we going to do? We're going to fly off and leave them or we want to land? Back up just a little bit if I can. When the first, man, the first pilot radioed back, he said, we have ducks on the pond. Men in the water. The guy, the man, the Lieutenant Marks flying the amphibious aircraft brought it in and landed and about destroyed the aircraft landing it. And began to pick up men that he could reach. And I'm thinking he picked up a total of 60 something men. And that's all he could get on his aircraft. Men who was dying had just hours left to live. Picked them up. Oh, when he got ready to, as he went down, and before he landed, he said, we need help. We need boats. Anybody close? The closest boat was the USS Doyle, which was 100 miles away. Nightfall was coming on quickly at that time. And uh, Lieutenant Commander Graham... Claytor was the captain of the boat. He said, I'm 100 miles away. He said, can you give us help? He said, my top speed's 20 knots. So I'm five hours away. I'm five hours. And you done been in the water for four and a half days. People around you done been ate by sharks. You ain't had anything to eat, nothing to drink. You're in the ocean and you can't find anything to drink. And there's out there. Lieutenant Marks in the airplane said, we need all the help we can get as soon as we can get it. The Lieutenant Commander, Claytor, said, I'm heading that way as fast as I can. As has, I understand as they said, as he's heading that way, he's 100 miles away across the ocean. Dark is coming on heavy. And the lieutenant commander, the captain of the boat said, the men need some help. I can't get there right quick. They need hope. They need hope. What can I do to give them some hope? What can I do to show them that somebody is on the way? What can I do? Again, against all regulations, he said, I know exactly what I'll do. Told the men on the boat, 
every light this boat's got turn her on. We could be bombed and torpedoed and everything else. Well, they already have been. Let's go get them. And they lit the boat up, as we would say, kind of like a Christmas tree, a hundred miles away. And all of a sudden, all them men out there in the water said, hey, there's a light. That means somebody's out there. There's a light. Somebody's out there. For the next five hours, those men watched that light intently. And every little bit, they could tell that the light was getting a little bit bigger. And a little bit bigger. And a little bit bigger. Now, all of them didn't, even from the time the light come on to the time, the five hours later, all of them didn't survive. But five hours later, the USS Doyle pulled in and started picking up soldiers out out of the water. You know, Statesville this afternoon, Iredell County, is in a sea of darkness tonight. Yeah, we got churches everywhere, but we don't have much truth. Tonight, would we allow God to hook back up with us? Not on his choice, on my choice. When I say, yes, Lord, I'll be that light. I'll be that light to this area. I'll be this light to this county. I'll be this light to this state. Lord, use me to be the light. To give, I can't give them hope, but I sure can tell them who can. I can, I can let God work in my heart and I can let God work in my life and I can show them and I can tell them what Jesus did for me. Tonight, would you shine forth the light of Jesus? Would you let God work in our heart? Would you let God work in our life? Would you let God make a difference in you? Why? Because them folk down the road, they're going to die and go to hell. Them folk over there, they're going to go to hell. Them folk over there, they're going to go to hell. Them folk over there, they're going to go to hell. It hurts really bad. Might be somebody in here that can go to hell. Oh, my. Oh, I, I know these people. Yeah, maybe. We'll put on good outside, look good on the outside. What about my heart? Have I ever asked Jesus to save me? Have I ever let God work in my heart, in my life, and do what he wants to do? This afternoon, somebody in Statesville, somebody in Iredell County, somebody in this general area is looking for a light of the gospel. They're looking. Now, a lot of them's looking in a beer can, in drugs, and this and that, and everything else. But people are looking for a light. My question is, will you be the light? Will you be their light? Let God use you to be their light, to give them hope. Then Jesus can give them help. This evening, would we let God use us? If I'm willing to let God use me, I have to be willing to say, Lord, I'm back. I'm back. God, do the work here in me. In me. Use the name again. Billy Bob sitting on the front row. I don't want him to die and go to hell. I don't. I have neighbors. They die tonight, they're going to go to hell. 
have friends. If they die tonight, they're going to go to hell. I don't want that to happen. So would I let God use me to let them see Christ? Or tonight? All I'm asking is, I click, let the light shine to the world.